0: Star Wars 7x7 episode 2309, we are going to finish up our series of deeper dives into season one of The Mandalorian, today looking at Redemption, that's the final episode, episode eight from season one. A lot of interesting parallels in this episode. Punch it! (laughs) Rebel Rouser. I'm Alan Voibon, and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy, and thank you so much for joining me for it. And speaking of joy, specifically, we'll be talking about joy a little bit later as well in the show, but today I want to get started by talking about some interesting parallels that show up in Mandalorian Season 1, Episode 8. And they in particular tie in both just within the episode itself but also to another particular Star Wars story and it didn't strike me the first time that I watched this episode but when I saw it again it finally hit me this scene where Din Djarin's parents put him down in the little you know supply bunker thing the you know looks like kind of you know the entryway down to a basement basically <laughs> but um when they put him in there and stash him and then you know The battle droid opens it up and is shot by a Mandalorian, and the Mandalorian comes up and, you know, puts his arm down and, you know, pulls the kid up and rescues him, young Din Djarin. It really struck me that that was very similar to Rogue One. It was very similar to young Jin Erso being down in that hiding spot and Saw Gerrera coming for her. Of course, that was part of an escape plan that had been plotted out by Saw Gerrera with the Ersos long before, whereas this was very much of a spur-of-the-moment thing. But it turns out to be much the same thing. I mean, Saw Gerrera adopts Jin and brings her into his group of Partisans and trains her in the way of the Partisans. And similarly, Din Djarin is taken in by Death Watch. Yes, if you actually look at the Mandalorian who picks him up and rockets away with him, he has on his shoulder the mark of Death Watch. So that's more suggestive evidence that there's a chance somehow a young Dinjarin may have had an association with Pre Vizsla, who was the leader of Death Watch, and Bokatan, the sister of the Duchess Satine. bo Bokatan was in Death Watch, and I've we've talked about previously, the Ren Clan was under House Visla, and so That could also be a situation where he could be connected to the Wrens and Sabine Wren from Star Wars Rebels, or at least have some sort of association, some knowledge of their family. But back to the parallels. So there's the parallel of Din Djarin being rescued by the Mandalorians and indoctrinated into the Mandalorian culture as Jyn Erso was indoctrinated into Sagarera's partisan culture. So that's one parallel that happens. Another parallel that happens within the episode itself is that the scene with that Mandalorian rocketing away with Din Djarin during that flashback situation, that's echoed near the end when Din Djarin himself rockets away carrying Baby Yoda. And it's that particular attention to storytelling and those loop closures and callbacks and whatnot. I really do think that's part of the ingredients to the Mandalorian success. And so. That's the main point that I wanted to flag. The other points that are worthy of our consideration as we head into Season 2. First of all, the fact that Moff Gideon is a formal uh, former excuse me, <laughs> Imperial Security Bureau officer who was part of the Night of a Thousand Tears, or at least referenced it, which has to do with the Siege of Mandalore. So this goes back to 19 BBY. It is different from the Great Purge. We don't know exactly when in the Imperial era the Great Purge took place but there were a lot of Mandalorians killed on that particular event, the Night of a Thousand Tears, the Siege of Mandalore, so that certainly did not help the Mandalorian's cause. And speaking thereof, we find out that that Mandalorian covert did not do well in the aftermath of the Mandalorian's departure. In fact, it wasn't that the bounty hunters killed them, it was that the Imperials arrived as a result of all the chaos and That's what caused most of the Mandalorians to get killed, though the Armorer does say that some may have escaped off-world, so it opens up the door to possibility that we could encounter some of those Mandalorians in the future. That's another way that they are setting things up, potentially, for surprises and other elements they can weave into the Season 2 narrative. We also learn that Grief Karga isn't just an expediter for the Bounty Hunters Guild, which is how he's been described to us before, but Moff Gideon refers to him as a disgraced magistrate. And to his credit also, Grief Karga talks about my town this and my town that and what the Imperials have done to it. So it actually does suggest that he is more than just the guy running the guild in this area of the galaxy, that he is actually somehow the... Not the elected representative, perhaps, but some sort of version of civil power in the area as well. And as far as the Bounty Hunters Guild, though, even with everything that's happened, certainly still powerful enough to be able to handle the minor clerical issue, as Cara Dune puts it, of her chain code and the fact that she has bounties out on her head. And also clearing the Mandalorian of his issues with the guild and saying, hey, you know, take some time off and then come back and you can have the pick of the bounty hunting litter. And he says, yeah, I think I have some stuff to do first. So it does kind of set up the possibility that some of the, you know, uh, the non-mythology episodes of season two, that there may be some, you know, episode of the week situations where they don't build the whole overall story but we do know that he's going to come back to Navarro he is going to see Grief Karga and Cara Dune who will now be working as Grief Karga's enforcer and that does seem to suggest that he's going to come back at some point to ask for a couple of bounties to be able to pay the bills and you know just go gallivanting around the galaxy and give us a break from the broader overall story and so that I think is what we have to look forward to in season two of the Mandalorian or at least part of it you know there's the whole Moff Gideon thing which is another issue entirely and chances are he still wants the child and nobody knows what the child really represents at least not as far as Moff Gideon is concerned or at least no one knows what it represents to him so maybe more of that will be revealed as well what Gideon thinks about the child and what his plans are for him. So, before we get to that last bit of joy business, I do just want to give you the quick reminder, once again, if you have not yet done the rating and review thing on iTunes for Star Wars 7x7, I hope this is the day you're going to do it. I'm only going to be talking about it for a couple more days before we move on to another (laughs) situation, but... Please, if you haven't done it yet, I hope you will do it today. It takes just a couple of seconds to do a rating on iTunes and just a moment or two to do a review, and it does help more people find Star Wars 7x7. So thank you again for considering it. Thank you for doing it. And if you've already done it, thank you so much for supporting me in the show in that way. All right, so I did say last episode that I believe that Grief Karga, Carl Weathers' line of, he's trying to eat me, is the funniest moment of the whole season season one and i'm gonna stand by that even though we have this opening scene in episode eight where the (laughs) scout troopers are punching baby yoda inside that carry bag but i'm sort of hedging my bets around this by saying that that is certainly the best skit for all intents and purposes that's the best scene comedically in The Mandalorian, with then IG-11 showing up, and beating him up, and saying, I'm sorry you had to see that, to Baby Yoda, like that whole scene, funniest scene overall, I think the funniest moment, the funniest one-liner still goes to Greef Karga, but funniest scene has to be the Scout Troopers, and oh goodness, I hope that there are similar moments of comedy in season two as well, I think that... We're going to be in good hands. We're going to keep our fingers crossed that this all works out. But that is everything that we're going to talk about here in the show about episode 8, about redemption. And that's going to do it then for the show, Star Wars 7x7 today as well. Thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be.